Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Giving Leader podcast. It is produced by the Giving Church. My name's Phil Ling. I'm the founder. Um, I'm thrilled to bring great leaders to you every episode. I've spent the last 20 years working with gifted leaders across the country, churches, ministry leaders, business leaders, and I've got a great one today. Jeff Bogue is the pastor of Grace Church in Akron, Northeast Ohio, but it's really even beyond that because they have satellites in as far away as Atlanta, Georgia, but a, several thousand folks a weekend, and Jeff's got a, a tremendous ministry, a growing ministry, but one of the areas I really want to drill down with him is talking about their residency program and the next generation of leaders. So we're going to spend a few minutes with Jeff Bogue from Grace Church, Akron, and thanks for tuning in to the Giving Leader Podcast. First of all, thanks for doing this. Sure. Good to hang out with you. Yeah. Um, this is, as I told you, is uh, low-key. I'm just talking to guys around the country that are have exciting churches, doing cool stuff, mm-hmm. and everything's a little unique, and everything's different. And somebody, I don't know who said, it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Yeah. And so... This is Jeff Bogue. Jeff is at Grace Church in Akron, although that's not really ac- actual because uh, you are in Akron. But Grace Church has got, has got a, yeah, other locations. Yeah. So give me just a snapshot, thumbnail sketch. What's Grace Church look like today as far as locations, size of ministry? Just Yeah, we would, we would be across the board a little bit. So in, in Northeast Ohio, what we would call the greater Akron area, we have six campuses. Uh, Our largest would run 3000 ish on a, on a normal weekend. And then we would have um, one that runs about 1300 ones, another one that runs about 1100 and then a couple that run around 300, um, and so that's kind of our general ones in the Akron area. Some of those campuses are well established and healthy, and then some of them are very new. Um, for us, a campus is um, a pastor teaching every weekend, uh, a uh, localized elders, localized leadership, all that kind of stuff. So it's right. not me on video. Right. The place. So six in Akron, and then we have two in Atlanta, Georgia. And so one is kind of like a missions effort but it's a church it's a house church trying to reach uh second generation immigrants there and uh, that runs they run about a hundred on a weekend and it's growing and then our other one is a um a traditional church model that we kind of picked up along the way it started off at about 120 and it dropped to about 40 and now it's back up to about 120. So we had to do some turnaround stuff with that. So that's our, our eight locations across the place. How long ago has it been since you added the first, or I should be the second location? So that would have been 19 years ago. Okay. So I, I actually would have been the first campus pastor. Okay. So I came from, was sent, I was sent from the mother church. There was never a divide. Right. Uh, we were sent to take over a, a dying church uh, 11 miles north of where we were at. And with me was sent about 100 people. And then uh, we established what we would call our Bath Campus, which is the, the main campus now. Um, 
few years after that, my mentor retired and I became the senior pastor of, of the church and started uh, our present vision and ministry. So 19 years ago, we would have started that first campus having no idea, zero idea what we were doing. 11 years later, we would have started our second campus. So that would have been about seven years ago. And so we've gone from two to eight campuses in the last seven years because now it's a kind of an organized movement. That's what we're trying to do. And you have a plan, a roadmap of like, we'd like to add roughly this many campuses and over this period of time. Yeah. So our little catchphrase is 30 in 30. So we'd okay. like to start 30 campuses in 30 years. We have 25 years left to start the, the remaining 22 campuses. Um, and we want those campuses to be, think of it as 30 movements okay. in 30 years. So every campus, we want to be a reproducing church movement. So we want to put in the 30 pillars of that movement, and then they're all reproducing to infinity and beyond. Kind of thing. <laughs> Give me a snapshot, if you would, just uh, your involvement with the leading pastor of each campus. Yeah. How do you do that? Because I assume that's under your umbrella. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the senior pastor, and then we would have campus pastors. Now, we actually have it organized in such a way that the senior pastor of Grace Church must also be a campus pastor. Okay. So I have to eat whatever I cook, right? So <laughs> okay. we kind of built that in so so that we don't become a denomination. Right. Um so I would have uh campus pastors, those ca those campus pastors can lead, they teach, they hire, uh they raise up leadership and then they multiply. That's their job. My role with them is um I will hire them and then I will coach them and keep them accountable along the way. <clears throat> and the more they get established, the more my interaction with them is relational. Okay. So we would influence each other. So we meet together weekly. We have a weekly meeting uh, either in the room or guys zoom in and they're a part of it. I would touch base with them for an hour or two quarterly and then everything else would be based on their problems or their opportunities. So if they have some problems we need to solve, I would dive deep into that potentially. If they have opportunities to take advantage of, I would dive deep into that. And we would figure out, we want, we want to take the whole of grace and focus it on the next planting opportunity. So that would kind of be my job is to get that organized and drawn in to, to make what they're trying to do happen. So I, I, I got to assume that on the front end, because you're going to be responsible for hiring these guys. So you're looking for a DNA, you're looking for a skill set, you know, those kind of things. For sure. But once they're in place, how restricted are they on how they carry out that vision? They you have to adhere to our vision and values and of course like our doctrine and theology you have to account for your money the way that we tell you to and then legalities you you will run abuse policies this way kind right. of thing beyond that it's all them okay so you can actually spend your money however you think is going to be effective and then your job is to reach your community with the gospel 
and we have metrics in place that we're going to measure. We want to see a 10%, 10% of your average weekend attendance in conversions every year. So we want to grow by conversion. Right. We want to see 50% of your weekend attendance in small groups. We want we have a leadership metric that we're, we want you to work toward. Um, and then we want you working toward multiplying, launching a new campus. But how you do that, kind of the, the reality on the ground, that is the campus pastor's job. And um, my, my job as a senior pastor is to help them win that reality, not to define it for them. So we're not a franchise. Right. We have vision values. When you walk into a Grace Church, you know it's a Grace Church. But it would all play out differently. So, for instance, um, you know, we're recording this right after Easter. Right. I don't even know what they spoke on. Huh. I'm assuming it has something to do with the resurrection. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming that, right? <laughs> but we, we would have all done different sermons based on where our congregations are. Um, I launched a series. Uh, one of my other guys I do know, he wrapped a series up. Right. So we're not in sync. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to have organic things that, that move. So um, I think I got this from Jeff Surratt years ago, but uh, he said, um, you can you can go for two goals. You can plant a redwood tree, get it bigger, 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 which is fine. Or you can plant an orchard. And we would say our goal is to plant an orchard of different sizes and varieties of trees, but they must be fruit-bearing trees. And so I'm I'm there to make sure that it's a fruit-bearing tree, right. right? But you get the right guy with the right DNA. He's doing that anyways. Well, you know, in my travels across the country, most of my clients have multiple locations. Mm -hmm. uh, very few single location churches. Um, but I learned very quickly that when you say satellites or multiple campuses, it means many things to many people. Yeah, and yeah. so, so yours, yours sounds like there's a great deal of autonomy yep. uh, to those local congregations. You're looking for the DNA, but not necessarily, as you said, the franchise. So it's not like this is how you open the store and this is how you make the burger and, right. and, and, and all that stuff. And it, it, so, and you have taken steps just like you eating what you cook to not be a mini denomination, which will always be the, one of the rubs. Um, have you in this brief seven years had to remove anybody or swap anybody yet? No, we, we, we've had to swap. We've had, we've had uh, a couple campus pastors who have moved on healthy situations. Mm -hmm. Um, no, no, uh, uh, angst there at all with them, but I've never had to remove anybody. I've never had to fire a campus pastor. Now I've had to deal with staff along the way, right? But I've never had anybody turn on me or right. try to siphon off a bunch of people. We actually would want that to happen. So I'll give you a, a for instance that the first campus we launched um, out of our our biggest campus was our college pastor. We put him on a three-year plan to start preaching a lot. So by the end, he was doing a third of the preaching and I was doing the other two thirds. We wanted people to attach to him. Right. And then when we launched him, his teams went with him. That was on purpose. Right. So he would look and say, um, 
I can't find a reason why I'd want to be apart from right. the mothership kind of thing. It's all right. beneficial, and we're still benefiting each other that way. His camp has exploded. He he's six years old. He's running eleven twelve hundred on a weekend. Well, we he needed a building. We used our financial uh, credibility to help him get a building. See, it's all one. Right. It's all one thing. So things like that. I think. I think because we're not. I'm not. I have no interest. If the, whatever's below zero is my interest in being a big deal personally, right. Right. Um, I just want Christ to be famous. And if you have other guys that have that same mindset, they really will work to that end. So if you have a, a an agenda or an ego, you'll never get hired here. You, you won't make the cut. So we're talking about your campuses, because I think it's a big deal. And the, the DNA and, and how you're trying to do it, which... Um, years ago, I interviewed the CEO of uh, Nordstrom's big department store, and it's a family-run business, and they're known for customer service. And so I was asking about customer service. I said, what's your training program? And at the time, uh, the CEO, which was one of the family, said, uh, we don't have one. I said, you're known for customer service. He goes, we found out if you spend more time hiring the right people, you don't have to spend as much time training. Yeah. And, and so you hire the right campus guy that's got the DNA that, that fits in the system and give them the autonomy that they don't feel constricted, but feel encouraged. Uh, but you also are unique because when you point out you got Northeast Ohio, then now you picked up a couple in Atlanta. One in Atlanta is more of a house church. So they don't necessarily look alike from the outside. Right. And that's, that's, it's a very different approach because I don't know a lot of churches that their, their multiple campuses look that different does that make sense yeah yeah and that would be all of our campuses would be that way they would they would we would i meet with the guys once a week and then we have them meet in counterparts once a week so the music guys the youth guys okay, okay? so they influence each other but they don't all do the same songs they don't all run the same programs because we call it the relocalization of the church we want to take the the clarity and the strong leadership and the resources of the mega church, but localize it. And so we're going to look and say, what does a healthy church in that community look like? Mm -hmm. You know, we have one campus. That, in fact, the the last one we just opened, we call it our County Line campus. It's literally in the middle of cornfields, but there's a vacuum there. They had they had over uh, there's six. About six months old, they had over 300 for Easter. Wow. But there's a vacuum of healthy churches. And so the the believers are driving, you know, 25 minutes to usually a megachurch somewhere. If we can bring that health and that vision and that stability there, it pops like that. Now, they have a, a small building. They they play, uh, their worship is a acoustic guitar, a keyboard, and a cajon you know, um, you go to our main service and it's it's a, a bigger building with a half a million dollar sound system right. in it, you know. But the effectiveness can actually be the same if it matches and reaches the community. So that's what we're trying to do. That at our house churches in Atlanta, we're trying to reach immigrants and refugees. They don't they don't even have vehicles. Right. So you've got to be in their neighborhoods. Right to make that work. So that's the thought behind it all. 
one, before we jump off this train, one question I wanted to follow up on. When you launched the, the college guy and gave him the visibility and the, the preaching time, what I call the platform time, so that he could develop a tribe, mm -hmm. and then they launched and they're very strong, 1,100 plus, you know, already growing. Um, I know that there are some that will be listening to us, pastors of churches say, that sounds great, but at, the, at a core, that's a little scary because how does that deplete yep. the, the church, the, the main church at, the, at that time? So did it, did you experience a, a, a little bit of a withdrawal within the numbers and how long does it take to build that back up? So the, the, it does create a little bit of a draw and you do need to be careful with it. We, we often say that in, in birth, the baby and the mother are at risk, right. right? And so we learned that the hard way. Actually, when I was sent off to start the first campus, we almost killed the mother. Yeah. And there's a long story of me being driven back and forth and preaching at different buildings to get that all stabilized over over time. So we learned how to do it in a, in a better way financially and people-wise and all the rest. So I would look at my college guy that was going and say, you can't take the college ministry. And so we would communicate with the college ministry because now suddenly we're unhealthy, right? right? So we think about who's going and measure the finances and all that kind of stuff. But this is what happens. When you plant churches, you do all the right things. So I've my campus that I lead directly is 19 years old. We still function in many ways, like a five-year-old church plant. Mm. We have to. We've sent almost 1,800 people out to start new campuses in the last seven years. Our attendance has never changed. Okay. And we just had the greatest financial campaign we've ever had here because it's healthy. It, your leadership vacuums are created, and then you have to do the work to fill it. Right. People realize they're a part of something, and that's energizing. Um, people have to aspire to leadership. You just ha it makes you do all those things. It's very hard to be a passive attender at Grace Church because of our campusing efforts. So it is a little bit scary, and you do have to manage the depletion. I would say to the pastor, because uh, I struggle with this, you have to become... God confident in your, what you're doing because they, I, I used to be the golden, the young golden child that everybody thought was amazing. <laughs> and now I launched him <laughs> and I'm the old man right, right. at the old campus, right. right? Well, you have to, you have to be God confident in that. And, and you have to know that God's called you to do it, that you can do it again this church is not mine, it's the Lord's. And if we do this right, if, if Grace Church does it right, and we do 30 and 30, foundation for a multiple hundred year movement is what we talk about. If we do it right, nobody knows we did it. What they know is Christ. Right. Right? So you gotta, you gotta like go through all that. Now, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I feel insecure sometimes. I feel old sometimes. I go out to one of the other campuses to see how they're doing, and I'm like, yeah, I pretty much saved your life, your marriage, and your baby, and you come here now. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> so you get a little jealous sometimes. But it in the in the kingdom of God, 
that's all me being petty. Right. Um, 12, 1300 people at, at Easter, over 2000 people hearing the gospel is way more important than how I feel in my moments of insecurity. So you have to walk through it. One of your, I think one of the unique pieces of your DNA is how you were striving to reproduce leaders. Because mm -hmm. um, most of the churches that I work with around the country, and they're all good, or they, I wouldn't be invited to come work with them. You know, mm -hmm. they got something going on. And they've got, they've all um, got significant ministries, but they're all struggling finding that next layer of young leader. And they're not all, and I don't want to bash seminaries, but they're not all being turned out by who's the latest graduate of, of whatever seminary you, you may like. You guys have chosen to build your own system. Tell me about that. Well, it came out of frustration of searching, 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 and you, you call your buddies who have healthy churches, you're all looking for the same guy. Right. Right. And so it just came out of that. And it also came out of... Um, I, I know what I know about hiring because I did all the stupid things. So it came out of like these hard lessons of thinking that a resume meant that person can do that job. Right. So you kind of hone those things. And what we came to was we said what, what, we're, what we'd have to do long term, if we're actually going to do 30 and 30, we have to build our own ecosystem. So about four years ago, uh, we launched this in earnest. Um, because that college guy that I'm talking about, Tony Lavigny is his name, he was an intern first. Right. Uh, the next guy I'm about ready to launch was an intern first. So we, we started looking and say, what actually worked? Well, those guys worked. But it's a 10-year investment into them. So we launched a thing uh, four years ago. We call it our Interns Residency Program. We spend about a million dollars a year on this. Um little less, but about a million dollars a year on it. Um, we actually grab kids out of high school. And so um, we look and say our sharp students who come through our youth programs, all of our campuses, they were raised in this DNA. You don't have to teach this to them. They totally get it. And so we say before they go off to college and get messed up or seminary and get really messed up, could we educate them here, but with a real education? So I called my my friend, uh, Bill Cadup, who's the president of Grace College and Seminary in Indiana. They work with us. They got accreditation in Ohio. So we have a fully accredited undergrad degree program. It's just like going to Ohio State. Right. And I hope in about uh, six months, we'll have a fully accredited master's degree program. And we did it in partnerships. We didn't start our own college. We did it in partnerships. Right. So we'll look at an 18-year-old and say, if you'll work with us and train with us, you intern, work 25 hours a week for us, we will pay you enough that you can, you can have a full ride. It's a work study, right. a full ride to go to college. We'll disciple you. We'll train you. We will give you all kinds of experiences. I had um, two weeks ago... I had a, a campus of, of 3,000 people. The worship leader for that weekend was a 19-year-old. So we'll give you real experiences in doing this. Uh, they read the Bible through cover to cover twice. 
right. they're mentored along the way, and they come out of college debt free, and they're they're trained in ministry. And then we kind of take uh, from that group, we'll take residents. That is a full time job with seminary paid for, tuition and books paid for. Right. And you work for us. You read the Bible again a third time, and then we help you become licensed in our network of churches. So by the time you're done, if you go all the way through uh, seven years, you've been trained, you have experiences, you have an undergrad degree, you have a master's degree, you read the Bible through three times, you're a licensed pastor, and you're debt-free. Cool. And we just looked and cast that vision to the people of the church and said, we need to raise up uh, a generation of pastors, missionaries, and directors. It was the only real solution to leadership development we could think of. Right. Um, so we we hire guys and we hire search firms and all the rest. And it's about a 50-50 that it works. We have some wonderful guys and some wonderful guys that aren't here anymore, which is fine. Right. But the, the people who really, really get us, um, they're coming through those systems. And then we're creating the campuses for them to go be employed at so they can continue the movement of things. So I, I think a lot of people that are going to listen are going to be very intrigued. So two questions follow up on that. One, just give me an idea. How many young people do you have in the system right now? 45 in undergrad. Okay. Uh, that, that's, that's impressive. The uh, My brain is... See what happens when you get old? <laughs> I know. Don't get old. Don't get old. I had this brilliant question to go with that one because I knew it was a significant number in in the idea that you're the 30 for 30, so you're in essence creating your own opportunity. Yeah. Not every kid that comes through the program is going to be end up on staff at one of your churches, though. That's right. So we say our, our minimum is we've trained up a worker for the kingdom, and there, other churches are great churches, too, and they need the workers. Um, at a maximum, you become a, a campus pastor, right? And so usually what happens is some version of this. We have 45 in undergrad. About 20 of them are our interns and residents because other kids can just take the classes. Too. Right. About seven or eight more in seminary right now, and those are our residents. Usually what happens is you move from an intern to a resident, a resident to a staff position, and then the person in that staff position will often go out and launch the new campus. Right. The other thing we'll do is have a campus pastor and we'll attach a resident or an intern to them. So they kind of they have a staff that they're working with when they're getting a new campus going. So since you have the entrepreneurial spirit and you plowed the ground with Grace College, has have there been other churches that have come into that with the, the college and said, hey, we'd like to do that as well? Yeah, they not the way that we're doing okay. it because we teach it live. Mm. So we one of the big things, we didn't want our kids online. Right. We wanted them in classroom experiences. And same thing when the master's degree comes, it'll be taught live. And we, we teach it with practitioners. So uh, some some of us on our staff have our doctorates. Mo many pastors have a master's degree, right. and so we're going to farm out the the math and the English and those kind of things. But the Bible, the ministry training, the leadership training, I want them taught by people who have to deal with that every day. Okay. So the the example I use is this: is um, nursing school. When you, go to, when you go to college to be a nurse, 
your nursing classes are taught by nurses. And when you graduate, you're qualified to be a nurse. Right. <laughs> you, you can do it at that moment. And so that's what we were looking for is that kind of a pipeline. Um, you just finished a, a generosity campaign for your your main campus mm -hmm. and you're an old hand you've been doing you know every ministry that has a vision has to have some kind of generosity to fuel the vision and so whether a pastor sets out with that in mind to be intentional about it eventually they figure out oh i've got to figure out that piece too yeah and you've done that and you've been very successful this last time give me uh, just a little bit of for the guys and gals that are listening um 2019 generosity leading a church in generosity, what are some nuggets you've learned along the way? What, what do you need to do? Um, I, I tell you the big, the big, big thing, and you taught us this and, and uh, grateful for that is that the involvement, the ownership, you know, so our, uh, instead of focusing on the dollar number, focus on the number of families that are, that are getting behind what we're doing. So our goal, uh, this was just our largest campus, the Bath campus. Our goal was to have a thousand households behind it. The last number I saw it was nine hundred ninety-five. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's miscounting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said, we, well, we started talking about how to manipulate it, <laughs> but um, that has changed everything. I'm more excited about how we learn to involve our leadership and their buy-in, and them carrying the leadership weight with us what that has done for us spiritually and relationally in the church, that is what produced the 995 households. And that produced, our goal was $6 million. Our, uh, our commitments are 8.5, almost $8.6 million. Wow. But it's weird. I'm, I'm not nearly as excited about the money. I'm grateful for the money. Sure. I'm really excited about we we have we've sent out seventeen hundred ish eighteen hundred families, and our attendance never changed. Right. So in the same six years, I brought in seventeen eighteen hundred people. This vision campaign unified that group of people, and gave them a place to buy in, and and gave them an opportunity to unify around a leadership core, more than anything that we've ever ever done, and it produced the dollars that we needed for things but the health of the congregation is at an all-time high i think with things so that involvement rate that uh the the ways that you taught us to engage and bring our leaders up to speed those were the major nuggets for us that that was um excellent for us well i was i use you guys in as a, an example because I always teach that the if you can get everybody in the car, the participation piece, the money comes behind it. Yeah. And if you chase the money, uh, one, I don't think it works, and two, I think it's frustrating for everybody involved. And you guys are a great poster child, you know, of, of how doing that. And especially, and the reason I wanted you to talk about it just for a minute, like you did, was because you've done this, you've had to do this. You can't fuel this kind of a ministry without have, tackling the financial part. Yeah. This is our, f I've been, I've been doing this for 19 years. This is my fifth financial. We do, we do it consistent every three right. years, do it consistently. And, um, this is the largest financially, but it's the healthiest that, that 
I can't emphasize that enough. If if we came through all of this, if we would have missed our goal, it would have been disappointing. Right. If we would come through this and our goal was six million and we hit six point one million, I would still be as thrilled about what happened. Sure. Because I see the health of what it did for the overall for the overall congregation and the movement. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Giving Leader Podcast. As I'll remind you, we are brought to you by The Giving Church. TheGivingChurch.com. Go check out our website, what we're about as a ministry around the country. There are two areas that we always talk about, leadership development and generosity development. We've got a great book that you can download for free. And make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to The Giving Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening.